Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The remaining semifinal spots are on the line as the 2022 Australian Open heads down the stretch. The prohibitive fan favorites stole the show overnight. Rafa responded when pushed to the limit, and the Barty party raged on at home. Plus, with his latest comeback a month away, John Wertheim goes unstrung on the star-crossed career of Juan Martin Del Potro. And last year, she was the runner-up at the Australian Open. Today, Jenny Brady joins us live in studio as a guest analyst. All those stories and more over the next two hours on this Australian Open edition of Tennis Channel Live. Let's go. It is day 10 of the Australian Open. Welcome to TC Live presented by Geico. Our two-hour pregame show to get you ready for all the action every day down under. Half of the semifinals are set and the other half will be decided today. Here's what's on tap. American Danielle Collins looking to join Madison Keys in the final four. Plus, the oldest player remaining on the women's side against the youngest, Iga Sviantek, taking on Kaya Kanepi. And a couple of top ten battles on the men's side. Sitsipas in center and Felix Ojealiasim going for his first win against Daniil Medvedev. With that, once again, we welcome you into our studios in Santa Monica. Great to have you with us. Steve Weissman, the Hall of Famer, Martina Navratilova, Hall of Famer, Lindsay Davenport, and from 60 Minutes in Sports Illustrated, John Wertheim. We got Lulu the dog and Jenny Brady on the way. But before all of that fanfare, Martina, you saw an injustice. You stood up like you always do. And you affected change. I don't know. A couple days ago, I had some unkind words for the Australian organ- Open organizers for disallowing fans who had a Peng- wore his Peng Shui T-shirts on. Uh, and two days later, you know, we, we all raised a little bit of a ruckus here. And uh, they reversed the policy. So now you can wear those T-shirts. And as long as they behave themselves, which they will, and they did the right thing. So kudos. So about 10 days ago, we were wondering, how could this event move past the shadow of this Novak Djokovic saga? Well, you know what? Here we are. We're in the latter end. We've got Rafa Nadal going for a record. We've got Ash Barty trying to become the first Aussie winner in almost a half century. We've got Madison Keys. We've got all sorts of storylines, wild and crazy doubles we'll talk about. There's a lesson here. The sport is always going to succeed. It's bigger than any one player. And hopefully, Tennis Australia and the Australian Open will remember that going forward. Yeah, and certainly the fans were treated yesterday to two amazing men's quarterfinals. Both of them went the distance out on Rod Laver Arena. First, it was Rafa coming through in five sets, but I loved the last match of the night, which was Matteo Berrettini winning in five sets against Monfils. Berrettini becomes the first Italian man to ever reach the semifinals. And do you know what he said? He goes, well, hopefully one will join me tomorrow. <laughs> Talking about countryman Yannick Sinner, I love the camaraderie there. Berrettini is a stand-up guy. He had to withdraw from this tournament last year in the round of 16 with a pulled ab. Djokovic beat him at the other three majors. 
Let's see with no Novak in this draw. Mm-hmm. Let's see what Berrettini can do. Absolutely. Guess what? Jenny Brady's been supporting her fellow American women. She's been tweeting, Jesse, Maddie, you know, like going for Pagula and Keys. She's not there, unfortunately, last year's runner-up. But guess where she is today? Right here with us. What do you think about Jen Brady coming on set today? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, obviously, we'd rather see Jen Brady on court in Melbourne, especially after her amazing run last year. I think we were also captured with not only her play, but all the adversity she had to fight through. Remember, she was on hard lockdown for mm-hmm. 14, 15 days before the Australian Open last year. She then made that phenomenal run to the final. We want to see her back on court, but we can't wait to learn more about what she's up to when she thinks she'll be back on court. Maybe, maybe she'll break some news on this couch, Steve. I was we've, we've had Sloane Stevens, we've had Taylor Townsend, Jeannie Bouchard. Today we have Jen Brady. This has become part of WTA Shelby. rehab. Shelby, Shelby Rogers. Rogers. <laughs> this is part of uh, a, a rehab regimen. I, I mean, I think yeah. you're right. Plus, Jen Brady herself. I expect she would rather be on the court than uh, hanging out with us as cool as we all are. But uh, great to have her here. It works out pretty well for the people that have been right? back on tour faster. You, you know, you, you get into yeah, right. the analysis a little bit, and then you realize, you know what, everybody else is going through the same stuff I'm going through, whether it's feelings, emotions, uh, physical fitness, strategy, all this stuff. And I think then you come out, it's like, okay, I can handle this. Absolutely. Sloan, after working with us, yep. won our major title. Shelby, after working with us, got deep in majors. We'll still see about Jeannie, who's about to come back, and Taylor, who's about to come back. But it's a fun time. We love having these guests. I think LD hit on it, though. Nothing you, you, you gets you on tour faster. Exactly. <laughs> then Honestly, yeah, I feel like they want to stay. <laughs> you, want, you know you don't want to be doing this. You're on the tour. <laughs> you get to take care of your body all day long, and you go to great restaurants and, you know, good hours. It's all good. I don't know, hanging out with a couple of Hall of Famers. Uh, I would take that yeah, as that well. Move. Talk about learning some stuff from, from these two. That it's going right. to be on. class for, for Jen Brady today. Uh, a lot to get to on Tennis Channel Live. We'll have all the quarterfinal highlights and interviews. Some controversy in one of those quarterfinals. We've got the latest on a comeback for Juan Martin Del Potro, and it's a doubles palooza featuring the one and only Nick Kyrgios. But first... Rafa Nadal faced his toughest test of the tournament, a five-set thriller on the quest for history. We will break it all down next. TC Live at the Australian Open is presented by GEICO. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. Lindsay Martina, John Steve, back on TC Live, presented by Geico. We are with you every day, 5 p.m. Eastern, two hours leading up to the live tennis on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Brett Haber and Paul Anacone have your encore coverage tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Eastern. Rafa Nadal and Denis Shapovalov have a history that dates back to 2008. A nine-year-old Denis was at the coin toss as a ball boy for Rafa's match in Toronto against Igor Andreev. Nine years after that, Shapovalov beat Nadal in Montreal. And by the way, that is the last time Rafa lost to a fellow lefty, Martina. Nadal starting quickly in last night's semifinal. He sure did. He got an early break and ran it all the way to finish the set. And uh, the beginning of the second set, there was some a little hoopla with the, with the clock. Uh, Denis Shapovalov wasn't happy with Rafa taking extra time, looking at the umpire. Uh, and the, the two ended up meeting at the net, having a word. Rafa says, okay, uh, it's Mr. Nadal for you. Uh, anyhow, uh, they sorted it out, and there really wasn't that much going on until then later. 
of the rot fussy. He says, okay, tell me what's going on. It's your problem, kid. It's your problem. And by the way, he said to, to Carlos Bernardes, you, you guys are, are all corrupt. And as he's walking away, he says, you are corrupt. And that should have been at least a warning, if not a default. I mean, Serena Williams, you know, would have something to say about that. That was not a fair fight at all. And, and he was mounting off to his box all the time. In any case, there were only one break of serve in each set. Uh, each guy only broke once, and uh, Rafa put the big points just a bit better. He was really struggling with the heat, but and and Dennis came back from two sets to love, evens it out. Uh, Rafa just not getting that much um, that much on on the positive with the with the ground strokes. Really wasn't pushing Chapovalov back. Somebody take it from here. Fifth set, Rafa. Resurgent. He really struggled with the heat. He said, look, I'm not 21 years old anymore, and it showed, but uh, this was a big point right here. You like the hands there. Rafa at net, 23 out of 26. So uh, won a lot of points with the hands, and then was able to close this one out with, with some style. You think he's happy to survive, Lindsay? Very happy. Just two wins from history. Denis Shapovalov, not so much. After the match, he addressed the issues he had during the match. It's unfair, uh, you know, how much Rafa is getting away with. I mean, I'm completely ready to play, and uh, the clock is ticking. Three, two, one, you know, it's clicking towards zero. And I'm looking at the, at the, at the ump, and, and, you know, I obviously I'm going to speak up and say something. I mean, I've been ready to play for a minute and a half. Normally, at the end of the sets, uh, the umpire gives you some extra time, especially under these very humid conditions, to change the clothes because that's that's obvious that you can't play with with the clothes uh, in the condition that I was. I think in that moment, Dennis got, uh, I think, pissed in that moment because uh, the umpire called time and I needed like 30 seconds extra to to to, to keep changing my clothes. There's a lot to break down in this match. First, what's your reaction to what you just heard? About? From Rafa and Dennis. I think the players get caught up in the moment. I don't. People have that with Rafa. I don't. I think Dennis made it a bigger deal because he was losing. I don't think it ended up being that big a deal. I was surprised. I'd never really seen Rafa struggle in those kind of mm -hmm. conditions. And to see him out there, that was pretty alarming. And the fourth set, he called the doctor to come out. And to we weren't sure at this point if it was a pulled stomach muscle, if he wasn't feeling well. But the doctor then gave him some tablets. At the end of the fourth, he left the court for a medical treatment to try and help him with his stomach. Beginning of the fifth was absolutely monster. That first game, Shapovalov had a break point to try and get up a break in the fifth. That's where Rafa really held strong, held his serve. Shapovalov threw in one stinker of a game, gave his serve away. Rafa gets up a break and never looked back. Rafa then managed his energy the rest of the fifth. He wasn't really trying to break serve again. He was just focusing on his own service games. Mm -hmm. um, and he's got a couple of days off now. Men's semis now on Friday. He's got that extra day to recover. He survived. He escaped. He survived. We'll see. He's got two more matches to go. I, I wondered if some of that wasn't mental accounting. And Rafa won those first two sets. Okay, it's, it's a hot day. We'll get out of here. And then he went off the boil for just about a 10-minute period in that third set. Then you get the feeling. He said, hey, I've got a i got to win a whole other set under these conditions. You could hear the, the officials on the walkie-talkie saying the word heat stroke. Doesn't mean that was the diagnosis, mm -hmm. but 
This was Rafa like we've never seen. Rafa, again, said, look, I mean, this, this, I'm not a kid anymore. And uh, for him to get by, I, I think, is really a credit to... Remember, he's, he's not... Here, here he is in the Australian Open. We were talking about this before. All the other majors, he's great in the quarterfinal rounds. Look at this. Yesterday, he pulled even. And remember, last year, he was up two sets to love on Tsitsipas. Same round, same court in the Australian Open and couldn't pull through. So a big emotional win. I give players a wide berth for what goes on when this, you know, they're in the hot state, they're competing. I thought it was a – did the kids still say weak sauce? I, I thought it was a little weak for, uh, for, for Dennis to go back at Rafa again after he cooled yep. down a bit yep. in, uh, in press. But, uh, you know, it was great match, two lefties, Rafa survives, but you, you had a little bit of a bitter taste with those allegations that were thrown around. Yeah, Rafa, Rafa gets, gets – he gets a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But between points, it's one thing when you, when you say, okay, you need to be ready. And I, I go with Dennis there. I think Rafa was pushing the clock. But then later on, he had, he had no beef. And also changing your clothing, that's equipment. So that should not be time violation or anything like that. And you have to make allowances for hot weather. You start the clock a little bit later. You just give the players a little bit of leeway. So, yeah, Dennis was mouthing up at his box a lot as well. So I think he really should save his energy for the match. He kind of wasted it. And I think it paid off for Rafa. Dennis gave away that one game, mm-hmm. and he did it at the beginning of the match as well. So those two breaks cost him the match. So he really needs to bring it here and save the energy for all the things that he needs. I think you raised a good point as well that calling the umpire oh, corrupt yeah. and didn't even get a code violation. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if Bernardus didn't hear him clearly. You never he said it twice. Well, I understand, but if, you're, if, if Serena is just what yeah. Martina says, exactly. getting hammered for saying you're a thief, how about calling corrupt? Right. It makes no sense. You've got to think a fine is coming when all is said and done. And this we haven't heard the over. last of it. Yeah. The other irony, of course, is Rafa has a history with Bernard. If there's one guy who's not going to be right. corrupt for Nadal, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they have a history, those two. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I wonder somewhere perhaps when she's done with dinner with Wozniacki, Serena's watching this match saying, <laughs> wait a second what, here. What the heck? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe because nothing happened before. He didn't, like, throw his racket before. And then he chucks his racket after the but, match. I mean... Yeah, he needs to grow up on that on that front, is, uh... particularly against Nadal. Nadal doesn't play games. Yeah, he does not do anything out there that's kind of, he doesn't take a toilet break because he you know he wants to break up the momentum. Right. So yeah, um, anyway, he played great. Dennis, he just gave away those two games, yep. cost him. And and Rafa handled it well. Hey. Hey, yeah, that was hey great. son, yeah. Yeah. come to now. We'll, we'll handle this, the two of us right here. Let's this out. Uh, as, as Lindsay said, two days off for Rafa to take on the winner of this match. Matteo Berrettini, Gael Monfils. John, neither of these guys had made the Final Four in Australia before. And just like the previous match, this one going the distance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, keep in mind, they took the court knowing that uh, they were gonna, the winner was going to play Nadal under these conditions. These two played three years ago, same round, U.S. Open. 7-6 in the fifth. So, uh, so it's a major history with these two and very similar in, in cadence to the match before it. Uh, Berrettini was the better player for the first 90 minutes or so. Monfils got a nice little second win. He had a lot of sort of fun shots, but he wasn't... Cl- I, mean, I think that's one thing in this tournament. We haven't seen sort of the, the clown shots. It's been very sort of, you know, it's typical Monfils and athletic and shot making, but it's been controlled. Uh, this was a critical point here to get a break in the fourth set for Monfils, his wife now, Alina Savitalina, likes it. We've got a real match here. We go to uh, a fifth set, and then again, this was very similar to Rafa's match. Uh, Berrettini, what's this? Not a bad tweener after four hours of tennis, but that was a, uh, a big game for, for Berrettini. He got a break in the fifth, and then 
was able to to ride this out. So again, a guy who wins the first two sets, loses three and four, and comes back and uh, steadies himself. Bonfils really disappointed. Sometimes we get the wave and good to be here. Obviously, another, as Lindsay said, this is just another solid win for a guy who's really cementing himself. Good match. Uh, feel bad for Monfils. This was a big opportunity for him. 51 winners, 12 aces for Berrettini. First Italian man in history, as Lindsay said, to reach the last four at the Australian Open. Takes on Nadal. They've only played once. Rafa beat him at the U.S. Open in 2019 and could have another Italian. Sinner Sitsipas, Oje Aliassime. Medvedev. Martina, what impressed you the most with Matteo Berrettini coming through in the fifth? Uh, just kept his head about him because uh, you, when you lose that tool sets to love lead, you really get maybe nervous, but also maybe just gets, okay, I'm not going to go for it. I cannot just play to, not to lose. I got to play to win. And he went after it at the beginning of the fifth set and, and wrote it all the way down. So, and, and I think when you saw him coming to the net, he says, yeah, I can't hear you. I can't hear you because the audience is really on Monfils' side. And he's like, what have I done to you? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. So, yeah, I got him fired up and uh, paid off. Yeah, he stayed patient. He didn't panic. And, and I think some of the players know playing Monfils three out of five sets, you might get that lag. It's very tough for Monfils at that level play the top players consistently three out of five sets. And Berrettini, after losing the fourth, he stayed so calm early in the fifth, and that was huge. And then obviously getting a break in the very beginning of the fifth, just like Rafa was able to do, kind of settled him down and was able to get through. But I think it's absolutely huge for Berrettini as he's really learned this last year and a half to start to believe in himself as yep. a potential Grand Slam champion. It's been a slower process. Some players come right through and think, I'm going to do this right away. Other players, it takes them a little while to buy in. It, it really seems like but Berrettini has bought in that he is good enough to win a major. He had this highlight from the first week when he wrote Grazia Modium, had some stomach issues inside the camera. The real issue, I thought, was his week one. The real moment was when he beat Alcaraz. And we were saying it here, it should this teenager really be the favorite against Berrettini? And you had the feeling that he sensed that disrespect. And now he comes into, again, another major semifinal. He'll have a day. Can he, you know, can he bum rush Rafa? Can he basically hit Rafa off the court is what it's going to come down to. Who knows? But this has now been more than a year of very solid major results. I don't think he's going to be the underdog against a teenager anytime soon. And I think Matteo kind of realized, I can hang with these guys and win the major. At Wimbledon, even though he lost, he knew he could have played a little bit better and it would have, yeah. it would have taken this much mm -hmm. to beat Novak at his best. So I think if, even though he lost, he, he won emotionally on that front, I think. All right, looking forward to that yeah. semifinal, Rafa and Matteo. Meantime, on the women's side... We had American Madison Keys looking to get back to the Australian Open semifinals for the first time since 2015. Taking on the reigning Roland Garros winner, Barbora Krejcikova. This was all Keys, LD. Yeah, in the beginning, though, Steve, this was a tight match. Krejcikova, four break points in the first couple of Keys' of service game, and Maddie able to save them all. And all of a sudden, you get to the sixth game, Madison able to get her first break, and this was right about the time you could tell Krejcikova was getting bothered by the heat. When the schedule came out, Madison was absolutely thrilled to be scheduled at this part of the day. She knew she had an advantage in terms of the heat, training in Florida, growing up there, and she really used that to her advantage. Krejcikova obviously was bothered. Shot selection wasn't as good as we've seen it. And again, like we've seen from Keys this tournament, solid play. Wasn't going for too much. She was serving well. This was a huge game. She was up 3-love at the second. It got back to 3-2, and then she never looked back. And a lot of returns into play. And again, did exactly what she needed to do to get through this match. 11 wins total last year. 
Now she's got 11 this year already. Back-to-back -to -back top 10 wins for the first time and back in a major semifinal for the first time in four years. I think you take the experience out of it, whereas I know I'm going to feel nervous. I know I'm going to be excited. I know all of those feelings are going to be there, but it's also a completely different situation and time and person and all of that. So I think you you take the experience that you have from those moments and you try to apply it, but you also know that it's going to be a completely different challenge. A keys win guaranteed that Ash Barty will remain the world number one. Barty still, though, looking to finish at the top of the tournament. Martina will have to get past American Jesse Pagula. Well, this match was a combination of Ash Barty really playing her best tennis and, uh, and Jesse Pagula too many unforced errors. She had seven winners, 26 unforced errors. Just couldn't really hurt Ash with anything. And once Barty got that first set under her belt, she really relaxed, played even better. Just uh, really overpowered and outthought. Jessica not feeling threatened, not feeling the pressure, which really surprised me. You'd think she could feel some nerves, but she only lost two games playing her best tennis of the tournament in, uh, you know, in this quarterfinal. Seven winners to 26 unforced errors for Pagula. And Barty just reeled it off. Nine games in a row to finish it. Ash Barty now on a nine-match winning streak as well. And get this. The Aussie has lost just 17 games in five matches to reach her fourth Grand Slam semifinal. The hope alive for the hometown Ash Barty. She will take on Maddie Keys in the next round. Looking forward to that one. And then we've got Collins Cornish, Fiontech Kanepi coming up later today. So Barty gets past Pagula and really... Lindsay uses the slice to great effect. How is she able to, to do that, and why are the rest of the players not able to adapt to that? Well, she uses it as such a great weapon because she uses all the slices. She uses it offensively. She uses it defensively. She also uses it to draw her opponents in. But if you're an opponent right now in the WTA, there's no one else that uses a slice. So for so many of these players, they get out on court, and they're not accustomed to seeing that. In every other generation, there's been multiple players, and almost always in the top 10 or 20, of players that use the one-handed backhand that had that variety. In this generation... It's only Barty right now. And so I think a lot of the players are caught off guard. They're not sure how to handle it. Do I get up and hit it with two hands? Do I just slice it back? And Barty's just a master. I mean, as soon as she sees a player go to their own slice, she immediately starts going to her left looking for a forehand. She knows she's going to have time then. She's also a player who really uses all her serves. She uses different tosses. She fakes opponents out, always looking for that serve plus forehand. And I think players are really caught off guard when they go out to play her about what to expect and really how to handle it. Mm -hmm. That's the change of pace and change of spin and change of height of where they like to hit the ball. And, they, and, and, and also the easiest slice to hit is the cross court. And it goes to the two-hander most of the time because she's playing right-handed. And they just don't want to hit this one. And they don't want to go inside the baseline. They like to hit it up here, waist high, about three feet or two feet behind the baseline. Now they're three feet inside the baseline, but the ball is at their shoelaces. So they can't be offensive. And it's like they, they can't play their game. And some players say, I didn't play my game. Why not? Well, because I didn't go for it. Or in, uh, in Bash Party's uh, case, she doesn't allow them to play their game. It's a great business lesson. Differentiate your product to make sure there's something that the competitor or the competition can't respond to. It applies in sports as well. I just think it's a, just a great point. How do you prepare to play against that? The other thing is we've been saying about Barty, well, we've seen this before. She can look great. 
and then she can get a little shaky in the latter rounds of majors. She hasn't even put herself in that position. I mean, she's surrendering less than two games a set. Yeah. Well, it's hard to get nervous and uh, really think about the yeah. weight of the occasion yeah. when you're up double breaks in every set. So, uh, I mean, this was sort of the rounds the last two years where the wheels have come off a little bit. She's not even putting herself in that position. She's looked terrific. I don't see it this year. I don't see the freeze <laughs> yeah, coming. Yeah, I mean, exactly. in terms of other matches where she's just looked overwhelmed, I don't see it happening to Barty here. Yeah. John talks about differentiating the product, not the draw, though. In this case, when she won Roland Garros a, a few years ago, she beat Pagula. She beat Anna Samova. She also beat Maddie Keys, and that's who she has coming up next. Should be interesting to watch that matchup. When we come back, we're doubling down on the doubles, and that means these two. The crowd going wild for Team Special K. Could Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis keep the party going in Melbourne? Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back. Former UCLA star Jenny Brady joining the show later. Another former Bruin crushing it on the doubles court. Anna Shibahara ranked sixth in the world with Shuko Aoyama taking on Shelby Rogers and Petra Martic. They took the first set and the Japanese duo would continue to roll. Won five straight games to take that first set. And how about this? They made the semifinals at Wimbledon last year. But, Lindsay, they're looking for their first Grand Slam title. Yeah, and what they were so clutch at the end of the second set. Two times able to hit past Martic up at net to get the break. And then Shibahara able to serve this out. They're a great team, and they will play again in Melbourne. Shibahara, South Bay represent as they move on past Rogers and Martic. Second quarterfinal for that duo. Did it in Paris last year as well. So half of the semifinals are set. And then at the top half, we got Krejcikova, Sinyakova taking on Dalahide and Sanders. Martina, I want to get your thoughts on, on Krejcikova. We saw how much she struggled in singles. Is she going to have it in the doubles? She'll be fine. I mean, she was right as a lobster. Uh, you know, growing up in Czech Republic, you don't get hot days like this, and she clearly couldn't handle it. But uh, doubles is a different, uh, different animal altogether. You don't you don't have to work nearly as hard, and and you you know so you you get to sit down, you get to rest, and and she'll be fine. She'll be fine. Yeah, yeah one one two three seeds still remaining. Uh, very very different from the men's doubles draw. They've never won. Uh, Sinyakova and Krajikov have never won this event either. So they're the top seeds, and they've won other majors, but not this one. Big All opportunity. Right. Let's look at the the men's action that John just referenced, starting. With Marcel Grenoliers and Horatio Zabios taking on John Pierce, Philip Palasek. Martina, take it away. Well, uh, two of ten break points for Grenoliers and Zabios. It was a lot closer than it really needed to be, but they got that first set under their belt as they just played a little bit better on the, from the baseline. They both have really good ground strokes, and they were bothering Pierce and, and Palasek. Meantime, no unforced errors. For Granios Bios. Wow. How is that? I, I don't know if I've ever seen a match. Doubles, it can That's happen. Doubles. The opponents only had five, but still, it's five too many. These guys just played too solid. And uh, look, look at this. This is knowing exactly where you need to put the ball. Really great heads up play. 
by Zabios and uh, also Granier's. It's a great return, and they're in the semis, and they're psyched, and yeah, they're they're just really. They've been playing together for a long time, so they really know each other as well as, of course, how to play doubles. They've won six titles, three masters, still looking for that first major together. Then they had the special K show back on court, Kyrgios Kokonakis. And this had a little bit of everything, John. Well, you saw he slammed, Kyrgios slammed the ball, and look what happened. Hit a boy right in his chest. So, Nick... Gives him the free racket. Uh, for a little bit, he, he was still not happy, but eventually uh, he, he did smile with that with that fresh stick. Curious in a nutshell. So questionable decision-making and then a nice act. Um, this match, uh, some good tennis, got a little bit chippy. I feel like we need, like, calliope music. We need, uh, this was as much entertainment as it was sport. And uh, here on the other side of the net, Martina. Maybe yeah. you don't appreciate that. That's why Venus is upset with, with Nick's, like, really, you, you're trying to get the crowd going before I'm serving. Yeah, there's some questionable, <laughs> unsportsmanlike conduct from Nick. But, you know, yes, yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> makes the, the fans uh, go nuts. Uh, the half, the half I mean, people crowd. are booing as he's right. tossing the ball. The, the fans were really uh, out, out of line. But, uh, yeah, Nick didn't help matters much. But, of uh, course, Venus get this third set. This is a tightly played match. Yeah, the, the half-capacity crowd really liked this match. Uh, we'll see it in, in the highlights here. I mean, you know, apart from the beef and the entertainment, this was high-quality doubles, and this patchwork team, I don't know, which which one is Jim Look Carrey and which one's Jim? Yeah, it's amazing. Exactly. That's, uh, I mean, this is really infusing this doubles draw with, with a lot of life, and these guys are taking it seriously. This is a, a patchwork team. Obviously, these are two singles players. They win again, and uh, we're getting closer to these guys winning the title. Yeah, we're getting closer. Well, what does Nick think about that, getting that title? You know, like, when we were young, playing on the 12s, we grew up in Melbourne Park, and to, to say that we did it together, semifinals, and I'm not finished. I want to win this thing, to be honest, bro. Well. You know, another tough, tough win. That's probably, I think, the toughest pair that we've played. They brought some serious tennis today. It wasn't easy. But, um, you know, as long as I'm playing this sport and playing in Australia, you sure will have a show. And I'm sure Thanasa feels the same way. Take a look at the draw. The, the unseated duo right there at the top. It's Grenelliers, Zabios next. The show continues. Ram Salisbury there at the bottom against former champs Bellelli and Fonini. But, Lindsay... I mean, it's, this has uh, WWE vibes yeah. all over it. Yeah, but nobody, I, I don't think, I mean, nobody else could pull a crowd like that and get so many people invested in it as well. i got to tell you, I'm so happy for Kokonakis. Mm. He played so well in Adelaide. He came into the Australian Open with high hopes. He was exhausted from winning his title in Adelaide. Look at this run he's making now. He's been through a lot. But I don't know, you get this kind of support, you have to love it if you're there in Australia, if you're part of TA and the Australian Open, they're selling grounds passes like you can't believe. That court is amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Nick does a lot of talking, a lot of, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, showmanship stuff. But, you know, the reason people come watch him play because he hits great shots. He hits shots that nobody else hits. He's got that talent. And that's why we go crazy. It's like, ah, why can't you put this energy into singles as well, into training, most of all. But he brings the fans in, and maybe this will get him fired up. Uh, Maybe he needs to play all the tournaments in Australia. I don't know. 
we say this all the time. He, he does well in the team format. And whether it's because of the, the camaraderie and the high fives and the fact that he has someone that he can talk to at the changeovers or because the pressure is cut in half and the expectation is cut in half, he really thrives with a teammate. I just think about Kokonakis, exactly your thought. Boy, what a nice way for him to sort of catalyze that singles win. Also, notice him... When Kyrgios goes into his antics, he sort of has this, well, he's my buddy. Like, don't, don't, don't put us too close together. It's very funny to see his body language. As Nick said, they've been friends since they were early teenagers, and it's just fun to see on a tennis court the atmosphere that Special K brings. Much more TC Live in a moment. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and new customers can bet $1 and win $100 if any point is won. Plus, all customers can play for thousands every day in DraftKings free-to-play pools. Use code ACE. And by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. Welcome back to TC Live. I'm Steve Weissman. Last year, you'll remember a butterfly landed on Naomi Osaka's face during her run to the Australian Open title. Well, a butterfly landed on Yannick Sinner's head during a post-match interview with our own Jim Courier. Could that be a good omen? Matt Fitzgerald has the story on Tennis.com. For the best coverage down under, log on to Tennis.com, your online source for everything to follow our sport. Right now, Joel Drucker writes how Madison Keys is embracing the Melbourne heat. And Jordan Sanford has the quote of the day. For today's forecast, here's Fox Weather. Hey, everybody, I'm meteorologist Nick Koster, and here's today's forecast for the Australian Open. The hot days keep coming in Melbourne. Expect morning thunderstorms and a high of 92 degrees. Precise, personal, powerful Go to foxweather.com to download the app and watch now. Thanks, Nick. Coming up, he's already a two-time ATP Comeback Player of the Year. We've got the details on Juan Martin Del Potro's latest return. Back on TC Live, presented by Geico, two-time Australian Open quarterfinalist Juan Martin Del Potro had his fourth knee surgery last March. Since then, the 2009 U.S. Open champ has kept the world updated on his rehab. John Wertheim has the latest in this edition of Unstrung. Tennis can sometimes seem like a half-empty sport. Scan headlines and tickers and websites, and the news is often bleak. Who is withdrawing or injured or retiring or changing coaches? Recently, amid the clouds of winter, amid the drip of Federer and Nadal and Serena, injured, ill, or absent, came this bit of silver lining, the return of Delpo. Yes, the Tower of Tandil, tennis's tragic figure, the major champ who couldn't smash the injury bug, Juan Martin Del Potro is planning on coming back this February. By now, we know the Ballad of Delpo. A few weeks from turning 21, he won the 2009 U.S. Open, beating Roger Federer in the final. And it appeared that tennis had just minted a new generational champion. Here was a six-foot, six-inch Argentine with a lasso of a forehand, a game built for all surfaces, and a winning personality. The tennis fates, though, had other ideas. 
we could run through a list of Del Potro's various injuries and setbacks, but that would extend this segment into the hours. Here instead is an illustration. At one point, in what should have been the meatiest years of his career, he missed nine straight majors. As recently as 2018, Delpo was beating Federer to win Indian Wells and Nadal to reach the U.S. Open final. And then, inevitably, the injuries. A fractured kneecap that fall sidelined him for all but one major in 2019. He hasn't played since. He's been through enough rehab for any 10 players, but he's persevered and now is on the threshold of coming back. A kid he is not. He turns 34 this year. He is younger than Nadal Djokovic and Andy Murray, himself an inspiration for how to mount a rousing comeback. And with all that time away from the court, Delpo is younger in tennis years than in chronological ones. We always associate Juan Martin Del Potro with that crusher of a forehand, one of the great weapons in tennis over the last generation. If there's any justice in tennis, he'll now become known just as well for his return game. Well, written as always by John, taking a look at Juan Martin Del Potro's arc of a career. Of course, won the U.S. Open title, 22 singles titles, got to three in the world just four years ago. Those eight surgeries, four on the wrist, four on the knee. Haven't seen him play since Queens Club 2019. This is his fourth injury hiatus of eight or more months in his career. Lindsay, what goes through your mind when you think of Juan Martin Del Potro? You know, it's, it's so much sadness, and, and we thought that it was going to be the left wrist that was going to put him out of the sport. He had one surgery on the right, but three on the left. And right when you felt he was getting over that, gets to the U.S. Open final, starts to make a push, gets all the way up to three in the world, he has this freak fall on the court in Shanghai, fractures his kneecap, and that has really put him out of the game again. So I, I think just having couple of different injuries happened to one of the nicest guys and really a player who was going to set to challenge. And who knew that this was going to be it? He tried to come back the next year for a tournament or two, wasn't able to. But I think just the lost hope. I mean, he had a, wins over the big three, at least three against all of them. Um, I'm just sad. I hope he can come back again. But he's just been through so much. You, you as an elite athlete can, can speak to this. We talk, it's easy to say eight surgeries and quantify that, but the emotional wear and tear. I mean, you're seeing your peers winning trophies, and there's a financial component, and he's still playing at a high level. I've saw that, that card we showed him. I mean, he was career-high ranking came only three years ago, in, in 2018, four years ago. He beat, beat Dennis Shapovalov in his last match. So you can't just say, well, we're done here, move on to career 2.0. I mean, he's still playing at this high level, but just the, the emotional wear and tear to have all of these setbacks. I, I, you know, if there's any karma in tennis, th this guy should be winning majors. I, I'm curious your perspective on that, because obviously we know the physical toll that he's been under, but the mental stress in all the rehab, what's that like? And I think also just getting bad news, right? You, you think you had a surgery, you think you hope that, okay, it's going to be gone, I'm going to be okay, you go back out, and either you feel pain again or you do a scan and the doctor calls with more bad news. There's only so much you can take. And when you're trying so hard to come back and you're trying to get back to the top, I mean, to have to have four surgeries on that knee in just mm. the last couple of years alone, clearly something's not right there. So, I, you know, he has spoken outwardly about mental health and having to deal with this and, and his struggles with it. I think trying to get back to tour 
Duran trying to play is giving him some hope, giving him something to shoot for, and also seeing some of his contemporaries now play into their mid to late 30s. That has to give him hope also. But ultimately, I mean, I think he, he knows. I mean, he of all the players in his generation, he seemed to be the most cursed injury-wise. We all remember that breakthrough. And you sort of said, well, this, you know, Federer and Nadal have a nifty rivalry. But, oh, this, this guy, that's a much different style of play. And that forehand, he can just absolutely whip. I mean, I do think... That's coming back next month. So uh, a lot of eyes on that. I mean, that's a good sign. I also wonder if mentally you don't say, maybe I'll get some of those years back on the back end when everyone else was out competing and I unfortunately couldn't be. Comeback player of the year in 2011. Comeback player of the year in 2016. Right. If anyone can do it, it's Juan Martin Del Potro. Certainly look forward to seeing him in Buenos Aires and Rio for the comeback in February. The Tower of Tandil. Wish him all the best. Lots still to get to here on TC Live. We've got our DraftKings parlay. We were right yesterday. We'll see what happens today. Uh, the Bryan brothers sit down on the warm and fuzzy set. And in the studio, we get the very latest on another player in rehab. It's Jen Brady joining us live and in person. Back on TC Live, a reminder, American Danielle Collins in action today against, well, I don't believe she is taking on, oh yes, Alize Cornet, excuse me, Iga Sviantek taking on Kaya Kanepi, Yannick Sinner against Stefano Tsitsipas, Felix Ojeh-Aliassime against Daniil Medvedev. I'm all flustered right now because somebody who was at this stage last year is about to come on. Take a listen. On her fifth match point, Jen Brady gets it done. First slam final. I think I've earned the right to be sitting here to be playing in a final. I just have to embrace it and, and enjoy the moment. And we are so happy to welcome in last year's finalist, Jenny Brady, to TC Lot. But firstly, uh, you, you like Jenny or, or Jennifer? You can call me. You can call me Jenny. <laughs> Jenny. Okay. Well, it's great, Jennifer, to have you here on TC Live. <laughs> <You got that. laughs> you may remember the end of the, the Australian Open final last year, but uh, great, to, great to see you here. Obviously, uh, rehabbing with with the foot injury. Tell us what's the latest. How's the foot? When are you coming back? Um, yeah, you know, uh, there's been uh, some bumps along the road. Uh, it's definitely not an uphill, uh, completely uphill, you know, thing, but. Um, I've never really had to deal with injuries like this before. Um, you know, I've had, like, very minor injuries, but nothing that's really kept, kept me out for so long. Like, the last match I played, I think, was in um, back in August. So, um, you know, it, it's been a long time for me. It's been uh, a bit of a struggle, but, um, you know, it's, it's been a day-by-day process. Uh, I'm hopefully looking to get on court uh, come February and, um, you know, ch- try to work my way back and uh, get, in, get in shape, get healthy, get fit, and... Uh, Hopefully you you guys will see me back on court soon, Um, you know, shooting for around March. But you never know. It's um, I'd rather take the time that I need to to let my body recover and, um, you know, be 100 percent when I uh, play my first match back. I think maybe always better do a little bit less. I know you want to get on the court. Less is more sometimes. And I think you can set yourself back. Maybe clay would be a better place to start for you. But uh, you have the game. Assuming you get healthy, you will get healthy. 
what do you think need to improve to get that major? Because I think you have it in you to do that. Yeah, um, you know, I think there's just very minor things in my game that just need to, you know, get better. Um, I think my transition game, it can improve a lot. Maybe you can teach me a little bit about that. Coming coming to the net, finishing more points up at net, and um, just uh, trying to, to win more points off of my serve. Um, you know, I see, you know, Maddie's obviously playing great tennis right now. So, like, watching her and seeing how dominant she is on serve and, um, you know, getting a lot of free points there, I think, you know, only a few of us, uh, you know, rely on our serves. I'm definitely one of those players. So, I think just solidifying my, you know, more um, aggressive all-court game style and then, um, you know, just, just having the belief, I would say, you know, going into that final, uh, that major in Australia last year, I, deep down inside of me, I, I didn't really, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't mm -hmm. ready for, for to hold to hold yeah. up the trophy. But you know, now I am. I'm, I'm definitely ready. I feel like um, you know, I've had the experience. I, I reached the semifinals of the U.S. Open, then Australian Open. So um, yeah, I'm looking for to to be holding up that One trophy. Yeah. We were looking uh, behind at the hotel where you had a 14-day quarantine, yeah. and you, you can tell everyone what you did during that quarantine, and then we saw you winning match after match. What, a year later, how do you reflect on that January of 2021? What are your recollections? Oof, triggered. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I'll ever be staying at the Grand Hyatt again, um, <laughs> safe to say. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely an interesting time. You know, there, there were quite a few of us who were in the quarantine. Um, I spent most of my time uh, on FaceTime. Um, I did not log into Netflix once because I knew once I would watch one minute of Netflix, it would turn into many hours. So I trained in the gym, not the gym, in my room, which became a gym. Um, and I would, Tennis Australia, they supplied us with weights, um, medicine balls, and I would take off my mattress and then like throw medicine balls up against the mattress. I would hit tennis balls up against the mattress. Um, and uh, I would take the bike that they gave us and put it in the bathroom and I would turn the shower on full, full heat and close the door and I would, yeah. it would be like a steam room sauna just so like when I because it's hot in Australia so to simulate the yeah to like practice, smart. Like, yeah. yeah I think somebody mentioned it in one of our um, calls over groups so I was like yeah okay I'll try it <laughs> it certainly worked out uh, getting all the way to your first major final we're here with Jenny Brady got to 13 in the world the final of the Australian Open last year and right now in rehab for a foot injury um Obviously, a lot has gone on since you've been out. What's your coaching situation right now? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, I'm not working with anyone right at this moment, but I'm going to be working with um, Andrew Bettles, uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, he's definitely what I think is a great coach and um, just a good person. Uh, you know, he's younger. He understands he understands the game well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I think he's excited to, to come out here and uh, – you know, for both of us to get back on court together. I think Andrew will be great for you. I'm really happy to hear that because I know he was trying to get Svitolina to move forward a little bit more. He won't have that problem with you because you want to get to the net, yeah. but I think he can teach you how to get there better. Uh, if I ask you, would you rather win a major or, a, or the Olympic gold medal? What would you pick? You know, I would think that I would say it would be easy. I think about it and I would say the Olympic medal um, just because playing for America, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, I love America. I love the U S you know, proud American. Um, but I would say as a whole in the sport of tennis, I would say as a grand slam champion, there's like something that you, you know, you, you take that with you forever. And, um, so I would, I would say 
to win a Grand Slam. How about both? Yeah, I yeah. love both. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess that was, that was coming next. Right. That was my third answer. So I guess I gave you two answers. I would say both. But no, I would say definitely... Uh, Grand Slam champion. And it's fine. Well, they'll yeah. come four times a year, whereas the Olympics is once every four years. Yeah. So you have a better chance yeah. of that. But anyway, good luck with that. Yeah. I just saw you in, uh, in, in Tokyo on, on some of our images. What, what these last 10 days, what's this been like for you while this major where you had so much success last year, what's it been like for you as this has gone on in 2022? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been difficult watching. Um, there's been matches where, you know, watching Jess, watching Maddie, watching um, Danielle, uh, seeing Amanda, you know, doing so well, and all the American girls, and then watching some of the men as well. But um, it's it's hard to watch knowing that, you know, I'm here and they're out there competing and I'm, you know, just watching from home on the couch. But um, it's, uh, it's you know, I also enjoy seeing my friends doing well and um, in playing the sport. So I know that I'm going to be out there soon, and it's not that um, I'll never get a chance to play again. So... Right. Uh, it's uh, both good and bad. Good, good role model. You got a lot of years left. <laughs> yeah, you got time, but get going. But yeah. take your time with yeah. that rehab. <laughs> yeah, hurry up, but good luck. go slow. Uh, Jen's going to stay with us for much, much more. She'll be talking about her friends, Jess and Maddie, and how they did yesterday. First time as a uh, TC Live analyst, Jenny Brady. One segment in the books, Jenny. One, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to keep it rolling. First set down. Back on TC Live, Martina, John, Steve, and Jenny Brady. This is her last two years ago now. Winning her first career singles title. Did so great. 2019 all the way through 2021. Winning the title in Lexington. That was one of the, the reopen events on tour. Jenny is going to be with us starting February 14th. Loves us so much. Coming back on Valentine's right. Day. Ooh. For a week to, uh, to oh. be an analyst here cool. on Tennis Channel. So we're looking forward to that. And to kind of get you ready, we're going to have you... Do some analyst work on some highlights. Oh, so you've been, okay. been tweeting, you tweeted Jess, you tweeted Maddie. So, you know, you've been supporting them. Now we're going to go through the, the matches that they played last night. Pagula, Barty. What did you see here? Um, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really watch that match because it was at midnight our time. But <laughs> looking at the score, and I did watch a little bit of the highlight reel. Um, you know, obviously, Ash is playing some great tennis right now. Um, you know, Jess can take a lot of positives away from this tournament. Um, you know, obviously this isn't the, the result that she wanted or the scoreline, but, um, you know, I think with the way Ash is playing and when Ash is in form, it's, she's definitely one of the toughest players to be. I mean, she's number one in the world for a reason. And what, what makes her so tough? You're saying how she knows every other player. Yeah, she knows every player so well. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to play doubles with her last year um, through some tournaments and, uh she just literally can dissect any player. She has the tennis IQ. Um, you know, she, she's like a, a, her own little analyst out there. Um, and, uh, you know, she has that chisel. She, <laughs> she, she knifes that slice, and a lot of girls don't like it. So um, I think that's what makes her so unique. All right. Well, she is moving on to face Madison Keys. And what a match we had for Madison Keys last night against Barbora Krejcikova-Martina. Uh, Maddie certainly brought her best. Well, Madison Keys was picked by Mark Pecci early on yes. in the tournament as the possible winner. As he saw something, we didn't see it because I didn't see her play, but she's playing like she did a couple of years ago when she was getting to the finals of the U.S. Open or better. Uh, so what, 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 made, what, what makes her so good, Jen? Yeah, you know, Maddie right now, she is vibing out there. She is playing her best tennis. She is back in form. Um, you know, it was... 
It was really tough to see her, um, you know, last year. Obviously, she didn't have the best best year. Um, but, you know, I think that's what makes tennis so unique is, you know, one week can really just change your life. And, you know, with her coming off the title in Adelaide, I think, um, you know, she's had that momentum. She's rolling and she's feeling pretty good. So, um she has a very, very powerful, powerful game. Uh, you know, she dictates a lot of points, starting with a serve, and then you know her forehand. Uh, her forehand's her big weapon. She can, she can really just, you know, one day when she's really firing, and you know, you can play great tennis, but she just takes racket out of your hand because she just has so much power, and um, you know, she's hitting winners left and right, and you feel almost paralyzed out there. So. Um, you know, it's it's really good to see her, you know, back in form, doing really well. Um, you know, hopefully she, is, she goes one step further than I did last year. You've experienced that power firsthand of Maddie. Can she hit through Barty? I mean, can she just win that match on power alone tomorrow? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, she could. Uh, I, would, I would say, you know, it all depends on um, how Ash's slice, you know, is. But um, I think... If I were Ash, I, I um, you know, I'm, I'm sure she, she, she knows what she's in store for. But, um, you know, obviously they're both great players. And it, it'll be, I think it'll be a really good match to see, um, you know, especially with both of them playing such high-level tennis right now. But you never know. If Maddie's serve is on, she, she, has, a, she has a really good chance. Can I, you, you said uh, that match was at some crazy infomercial hour and, uh, you know, we, we, all, we all need our sleep. Is it an advantage maybe for an American player to have success as you did last year in Australia where you might you don't have the pressure of the, the New York crowds or even playing in Europe. And in a way, it's sort of different types of conditions. Is it maybe an advantage for Madison Keys to be doing this in Australia? Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, it all depends on your personality and how you approach tournaments. I think, you know, me, myself, I never really approach the U.S. Open as like, oh, this is my home slam. I need to perform well here. Um, you know, there's certain players that, Maybe uh, Australians, they approach it like, okay, we only have three tournaments here, so I need to, you know, play my best tennis these four weeks. So um, I think it all depends on who you are as a person, how you approach it. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, like I said before, it's good to see how, you know, Maddie obviously, you know, shifted her mindset and um, she's, uh, you know, just kind of fueling off of that right now. Did you stay up for the Rafa Dennis match? Um, I watched a little bit of it, but I have, like, a strict 9 p.m. All right. Time. Well, we'll give the highlight to Martina then. Uh, Rafa, <laughs> in a fifth set. Marty, getting it 9 done. 9 p.m. I guess Jen doesn't want to play second on at night. <laughs> yeah. but, um, no, Rafa came through beautifully there at the end. Got that early break in the fifth set and finishes it off. And what do you think about this guy? 35 years old, still going tight. Yeah, hopefully that's me, you know. 35 and 30? still going strong. How old yeah. are you? Uh, 26. 26. Yeah. <laughs> You've got some good years left in you. And do you do that with a racket? Nice. Ever? When I was young. Not anymore. Oh, you're <laughs> defined young. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you think of Dennis uh, yeah. kind of coming at the chair umpire, for one, and saying you guys are all corrupt, and two, saying after the match how he thinks Rafa gets preferential treatment? Yeah, you know, I think it's um, – there's a time and place for everything, and um, – for me, I'm not one to really, you know, pick out and, you know, nitpick everything. I don't really watch the shot clock. I don't, you know, say, okay, this person has preferential treatment. I mean, yes, yeah, sometimes it's true, but, you know, that's, that's all part of it. That's part of sports. That's part of the game. Like, you watch NBA, you see what LeBron does or you see what, you know, what, you know, the top uh, NFL guys do. They get a little bit of preferential treatment as well. So um, I, I wouldn't, you know really waste too much energy on that if, if I were Dennis, but... Um, Good attitude. Yeah. 
Speaking of fire, this is a segue. It's a TV transition. Watch this. No, speaking of fire, Danielle Collins tonight oh. against Cornet. <laughs> Cornet even said, look, I'm emotional. I'm full of drama, but she's next level. Uh, who do you like in that one? Oh, I have to go with the American Danielle, you know. D Danielle is a lot of fire. She's very feisty. Alizé is also, but... Um, yeah, that is going to be like a, a good little popcorn match, a little bit of drama. Um, there could be some back and forth. That could be very interesting. So, yeah, that, that could be a good one. Stay up for that one. <laughs> I don't know. 9 p.m. Exactly. I don't Just know. Eat Erewhon and go to bed at 9 p.m. Oh, Erewhon, sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> Already asking for sponsorship day Shout one of, of, of your Tennis Channel career. Uh, so we look forward to having you back February 14th for a week. Start watching Tennis Channel. Yeah, I will. And start I'll staying up and watching all the matches. I'll be watching. Yeah. Well. Next year, though. <laughs> on the blue courts, yeah, not on the white couch. We'll see you there, not yeah, here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you guys can replace me with someone to do the analyzing. <laughs> we'll do that. But great to have Jenny Brady here on TC Live. Much more of Jenny in February. But when we come back, Nick Kyrgios. Got it done in doubles. That's the, is that the Barty slice? That's the chisel. That's <laughs> <laughs> Breaking out the chisel. Is that a Dennis Rodman tree? Back on TC Live, take a look at our daily schedule. With you at 5 p.m. Eastern for a couple hours, getting you ready for the live action down under. Encore coverage with Brett and Paul, 7 a.m. Eastern, tomorrow morning. All right, it is our time to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook Tennis Channel Match Preview. We've got Yannick Sinner against Stefano Tsitsipas. And the youngster is favored to win this match, John. What do you think? Explain that it. That is interesting. I suspect some of it, maybe they baked in uh, the the, el the mystery elbow we keep re referencing with Sitsipas. <laughs> it hasn't really uh, shown itself, fortunately. Sinner's played very well. He's only lost one set. But uh, that's, um, yeah, that's surprising. I mean, Sitsipas is a, a two-time semifinalist. Um, I, you know, I think we all, we're all bullish on Sinner, but I'm not sure. It's interesting. Certainly that departs from the seedings. Uh, interesting pick. I think they might be going because Sinner's one has lost a set. One right? set. One set, yeah. So he's had a much easier route, but also easier opponents. And Tsitsipas, uh, but they, his two-to-one head-to-head, they've only played yeah. on clay. All, all on clay. I think they're going maybe. To, I don't know. I, I Over and under, three and a half sets for sure I would go for uh, for over on okay. that one. And I would I would say Tsitsipas is at least 50-50. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would put him a slight favorite. I put him as a favorite. Just on this court, his experience also yeah. on this court. He's played big matches out here. Court speed really helps his game. I yep. think the faster surface against Sinner, but maybe they know something we don't. So if you want to win some money, put it on mm, Stefano yeah. Sitsipas. you got I an opportunity so. here. I think so. Uh, let's check out our parlay from yesterday. How did we do? We said we're not taking this one, and, and we were right. Uh, there's some five setters there. It's really, we said this yesterday too, it's really the sets. I mean, it's on these fast courts and these crazy conditions, it takes so little for a player to get on the board with one set. Um, Credit Ash Barty because he gave up two games. Yeah. The other guys gave up two sets. Yeah, I was wrong on that one. Uh, but obviously with this parlay, you got to win straight sets. Right. Everybody has to win straight sets. Nadal, Berrettini did not. So today we've got Daniil Medvedev against Felix Ojealiasim, Iga Sviantek against Kaya Kanepi, and Collins against Cornet. They all need to win in straight sets. $100 gets you 355 Martina, are you taking it? 
And they all have to win. What if the in other In straight one? sets. No. no, they all have to yeah. win in straight no. sets. Forget about it. 355. <laughs> Forget about it. Lindsay, you put you putting 100 bucks on this? Not for 355. I think there's exactly. a better chance that this would happen than our last couple days. I, I, I think those three players are all going to win. Iga is making her way to the locker room, but I don't think for 355. Put a one in front of it, and then we're talking. Yeah. Is it, isn't it Cornet French for three sets? Trans- <laughs> put that into a Google Translate. But that, Collins Cornet's got three sets written all over it. Uh, Medvedev Felix? I'll take Collins in straight. Put ice cream. Really? Yeah. All right, so who's getting the set? If we're, if we're declining, if we're declining the parlay, why? Who's, who's getting the set? Just think it's gonna be risky. Uh, Collins, yeah. you know, I'm not sure anybody. I don't think Cornet. We, we, we love so, the uh, Canepi. Is she taking a set? I think Cornet. No, I don't set. think so. Okay, Cornet, so Felix. Not taking a Wait, set. Last, last set. Felix and Medvedev no, I think, played. I think this is a decent bet, but not for that little payout. <laughs> yeah, right. I need the big payout. <laughs> we, you know, uh, Medvedev Felix last set they played. Six love. Yeah, that's right. Medvedev. Four um, love. Yeah. Come on, I'm, I'm totally with you though. Give us more than 355 and we could have a conversation. There you but, go. Uh, See? That's, that's a low We're number. We're united. I think that's why, because it, it is very possible. That's why it's a low payout. So yesterday was ridiculously low, and it was never going to happen. Parlay hasn't right. happened once, yeah. so there are your odds. Right. Read your, we have fun, we have fun. We have fun considering it. <laughs> Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Lindsay, right now, and new customers can bet a dollar to $100 if any point is won. Not in a sportsbook state. We'll download any of the apps and play for thousands every day in DraftKings free-to-play pools. Use that code ACE when you sign up. Even for all of our New York residents where DraftKings Sportsbook is now available. All right. Warm and Fuzzy is coming up with Mike and Bob Bryan. They chat with Lolo Jones. They're talking about their rock band. We got all the quarterfinal match previews and a big-time honor for Dylan Alcott in his swan song in Australia. Back on TC Live, time for our Geico 15-second news update. Gael Monfils and Dennis Shapovalov both going down in five sets. But how about five and five? Ash Barty so efficient, averaging just one hour on court in her five victories so far. And Madison Keys back into a major semifinal for the first time in four years. While the tennis world is in Australia, Instagram tells us that Mike Bryan and his family are on vacation in Mexico, more than 14,000 miles away. That's life in retirement. You get to do whatever you want, like hang out on our warm and fuzzy set. You guys have a band, and I have to really dig into this, because how do you guys even have time to play music while you're competing and still be good enough, like how? My dad was in a band, so he taught us the instruments when we were really young. Um, had no TV in our house, so we'd come back from tennis, do a little homework, and then the instruments were in, right in the living room, and we'd start, you know, jamming. My dad taught us all the oldie songs. What instruments? I play the drums, Bob's yep. on the piano, but now I play a little guitar. It's actually a great way to relax. So we're still doing it. We're, our band's playing... Um, I hear it else. I know. Two okay. gigs. Our voices aren't very good. Like, we didn't learn um, how to sing early on, but we're trying to get it. Um, his daughter is nine years old and just sang Jeez. the national anthem at the U.S. Open. I don't know where she got her talent. Wow. Definitely not the Brian <laughs> side. But, yeah, we've been having fun playing music with her because she's, she's a gun. That's incredible. So she's yeah. just going to be your lead pretty soon. She's taking us to the top. <laughs> Love those guys. They play with the drummer from Counting Crows, the... 
guy from Maroon 5 as well. We have so many of these warm and fuzzy interviews with all your favorite players. Head to Tennis Channel's website and the Tennis Channel app to check them out. All your top storylines on day 10 next. Lindsay Martina, John Steve, back on TC Live, presented by Geico. We are with you every day, 5 p.m. Eastern, two hours leading up to the live tennis on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Brett Haber and Paul Anacone have your encore coverage tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Eastern. Rafa Nadal and Denis Shapovalov have a history that dates back to 2008. A nine-year-old Denis was at the coin toss as a ball boy for Rafa's match in Toronto against Igor Andreev. Nine years after that, Shapovalov beat Nadal in Montreal. And by the way, that is the last time Rafa lost to a fellow lefty, Martina. Nadal starting quickly in last night's semifinal. He sure did. He got an early break and ran it all the way to finish the set. And uh, but beginning of the second set, there was some a little hoopla with the, with the clock. Uh, Denis Shapovalov wasn't happy with Rafa taking extra time, looking at the umpire. Uh, and the, the two ended up meeting at the net, having a word. Rafa says, okay, uh, it's Mr. Nadal to you. Uh, anyhow, uh, they sorted it out, and there really wasn't that much going on until then later. Rafa, see, he says, okay. Tell me what's going on. It's your problem, kids. It's your problem. And by the way, he said to, to Carlos Bernardes, you, you guys are, are all corrupt. And as he's walking away, he says, you are corrupt. And that should have been at least a warning, if not a default. I mean, Serena Williams, you know, would have something to say about that. That was not a fair fight at all. And, and he was mounting off to his box all the time. In any case, there were only one break of serve in each set. Uh, each guy only broke once, and uh, Rafa pulled the big points just a bit better. He was really struggling with the heat, but and and Dennis came back from two sets to love, evens it out. Uh, Rafa just not getting that much um, that much on on the positive with the with the ground strokes. Really wasn't pushing Chapovalov back. Somebody take it from here. Fifth set, Rafa resurgent. He really struggled with the heat. He said, "Look, I'm not 21 years old anymore," and it showed. But uh, this was a big point right here. You like the hands there. Rafa at net, 23 out of 26. So uh, won a lot of points with the hands and then was able to close this one out with, with some style. You think he's happy to survive, Lindsay? Very happy. Just two wins from history. Denis Shapovalov not so much. After the match, he addressed the issues he had during the match. It's unfair, uh, you know, how much Rafa is getting away with. I mean, I'm completely ready to play, and uh, the clock is ticking. Three, two, one, you know, it's clicking towards zero. And I'm looking at the, at the, at the ump, and, and, you know, I obviously I'm going to speak up and say something. I mean, I've been ready to play for a minute and a half. Normally, at the end of the sets, uh, the, the umpire gives you some extra time especially under these very humid conditions, to change the clothes because that's, that's obvious that you can't play with, with the clothes uh, in the condition that I was. I think in that moment, Dennis got, uh, I think, pissed in that moment because uh, the umpire called time and I needed like 30 seconds extra to, 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 to keep changing my clothes. There's a lot to break down in this match. First, what's your reaction to what you just heard? About 
from Rafa and Dennis? I think the players get caught up in the moment. I don't. People have that with Rafa. I don't. I think Dennis made it a bigger deal because he was losing. I don't think it ended up being that big a deal. I was surprised. I had never really seen Rafa struggle in those kind of mm. conditions. And to see him out there, that was mm. pretty alarming. And the force said he called the doctor to come out. and to. We weren't sure at this point if it was a pulled stomach muscle, if he wasn't feeling well. But the doctor then gave him some tablets. At the end of the fourth, he left the court for a medical treatment to try and help him with his stomach. Beginning of the fifth was absolutely monster. That first game, Shapovalov had a break point to try and get up a break in the fifth. That's where Rafa really held strong, held his serve. Shapovalov threw in one stinker of a game, gave his serve away. Rafa gets up a break and never looked back. Rafa then managed his energy the rest of the fifth. He wasn't really trying to break serve again. He was just focusing on his own service games. Mm -hmm. um, and he's got a couple of days off now. Men's semis now on Friday. He's got that extra day to recover. He survived. He escaped. He survived. We'll see. He's got two more matches to go. I, I wondered if some of that wasn't mental accounting. And Rafa won those first two sets. Okay, it's, it's a hot day. We'll get out of here. And then he went off the boil for just about a 10-minute period in that third set. And then you get the feeling. He said, hey, I've got a i got to win a whole other set under these conditions. You could hear the, the officials on the walkie-talkie saying the word heat stroke. Doesn't mean that was the diagnosis, mm -hmm. but this was Rafa like we've never seen. Rafa, again, said, look, I mean, this, this, I'm not a kid anymore. And uh, for him to get by, I, I think, is really a credit to... Remember, he's, he's not... Here, here he is in the Australian Open. We were talking about this before. All the other majors, he's great in the quarterfinal rounds. Look at this. Yesterday, he pulled even. And remember, last year, he was up two sets to love on Tsitsipas. Same round, same court in the Australian Open and couldn't pull through. So a big emotional win. I give players a wide berth for what goes on in this. You know, they're in the hot state. They're competing. I thought it was a – did the kids still say weak sauce? I, I thought it was a little weak for, uh, for, for Dennis to go back at Rafa again after he cooled yep. down a bit yep. in uh, – in press, but uh, you know, great match. Two lefties. Rafa survives, but you, you had a little bit of a bitter taste with those allegations that were thrown around. Yeah, Rafa. Rafa gets gets he gets a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But between points, it's one thing when you when you say, okay, you need to be ready. And I, I go with Dennis there. I think Rafa was pushing the clock, but then later on he had he had no beef. And also changing your clothing that's equipment, so that should not be time violation or anything like that. And you have to make allowances for hot weather. You start the clock a little bit later. You just give the players a little bit of leeway. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Dennis was mouthing up at his box a lot as well. So I think he really should save his energy for the match. He kind of wasted it. And I think it paid off for Rafa. Dennis gave away that one game. Mm -hmm. And he did it at the beginning of the match as well. So those two breaks cost him the match. So he really needs to bring it here and save the energy for all the things that he needs. I think you raised a good point as well that calling the umpire oh, corrupt yeah, and didn't even get a code violation. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if Bernardus didn't hear him clearly. You never he said it twice. Well, I understand, but if, but you're, if, if Serena is just what yeah. Martina says, exactly. getting hammered for saying you're a thief, how about calling corrupt? Right. It makes no sense. You've got to think a fine is coming when all is said and done. And this we haven't heard the over. last of it. Yeah. The other irony, of course, is Rafa has a history with Bernardus. If there's one guy who's not going to be right. corrupt for Nadal, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they have a history, those two, but... Uh, yeah, I agree. I wonder, so somewhere perhaps when she's done with dinner with Wozniacki, Serena's watching this match saying, <laughs> wait a second what, here. What the heck? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe because nothing happened before. He didn't, like, throw his racket before. And then he chucks his racket after the but, match. I mean, yeah, he needs to grow up on that, on that front, is, uh... particularly against Nadal. Nadal doesn't play games. Yeah. He does not do anything out there that's kind of, He doesn't take a toilet break because, he, you know, he wants to break up the momentum. Right. So... Yeah. Um, anyway, he played great. Dennis, he just gave away those two games. It cost him. And, and Rafa handled it well. Hey, 
Hey, yeah, that was. Hey, great. son. Yeah. <laughs> Come to now. We'll, we'll handle this. The two of us right here. After Nadal. Uh, as as Lindsay said, two days off for Rafa to take on the winner of this match, Matteo Berrettini, Gael Monfils. John, neither of these guys had made the final four in Australia before. And just like the previous match, this one going the distance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, keep in mind they took the court knowing that uh, they were going the winner was going to play Nadal under these conditions. These two played three years ago, same round U.S. Open, seven six in the fifth. So, uh, so some major history with these two, and very similar in, in cadence to the match before it. Uh, Berrettini was the better player for the first ninety minutes or so. Monfils got a nice little second win. He had a lot of sort of fun shots, but he wasn't... Cl- I mean, I think that's one thing in this tournament. We haven't seen sort of the, the clown shots. It's been very sort of, you know, it's typical Monfils and athletic and shot-making, but it's been controlled. Uh, this was a critical point here to get a break in the fourth set for Monfils. His wife now, Alina Savitalina, likes it. We've got a real match here. We go to uh, a fifth set, and then again, this was very similar to Rafa's match. Uh, Barakini, what this? Not a bad tweener after four hours of tennis, but that was a, uh, a big game for, for Berrettini. He got a break in the fifth and then was able to, to ride this out. So, again, a guy who wins the first two sets, loses three and four, and comes back and uh, steadies himself. Montes really disappointed. Sometimes we get the wave and good to be here. Obviously, another, as Lindsay said, this is just another solid win for a guy who's really cementing himself. Good match. Uh, feel bad for Montes. This was a big opportunity for him. 51 winners, 12 aces for Berrettini. First Italian man in history, as Lindsay said, to reach the last four at the Australian Open. Takes on Nadal. They've only played once. Rafa beat him at the U.S. Open in 2019 and could have another Italian. Sinner Sitsipas, Oje Aliasim, Medvedev. Martina, what impressed you the most with Matteo Berrettini coming through in the fifth? Uh, just kept his head about him because uh, when you lose that tool sets to love lead, you really get maybe nervous but also maybe just gets okay and i gotta go for it i cannot just play to not to lose i gotta play to win and he went after it at the beginning of the fifth set and and wrote it all the way down so and and i think when you saw him coming to the net he says yeah i can't hear you i can't hear you because the audience is really on monfis's side and he's like what have i done to you i can't hear you i can't hear you so yeah i got him fired up and uh paid off yeah, he stayed patient. He didn't panic. And, and I think some of the players know playing Monfils three out of five sets, you might get that lag. It's very tough for Monfils at that level to play the top players consistently three out of five sets. And Berrettini, after losing the fourth, he stayed so calm early in the fifth, and that was huge. And then obviously getting a break in the very beginning of the fifth, just like Rafa was able to do, kind of settled him down and was able to get through. But I think it's absolutely huge for Berrettini as he's really learned this last year and a half to start to believe in himself as a potential Grand Slam champion. It's been a slower process. Some players come right through and think, I'm going to do this right away. Other players, it takes them a little while to buy in. It it really seems like Berrettini has bought in that he is good enough to win a major. He had this highlight from the first week when he wrote Grazia Modium, had some stomach issues inside the camera. The real issue, I thought, was his week one. The real moment was when he beat Alcaraz. And we were saying in years, should this teenager really be the favorite against Berrettini? And you had the feeling that he sensed that disrespect. And now he comes into... Again, another major semifinal. He'll have a day. Can he, you know, can he bum rush Rafa? Can he basically hit Rafa off the court is what it's going to come down to. Who knows? But this has now been more than a year of very solid major results. I don't think he's going to be the underdog against a teenager anytime soon. And I think Matteo kind of realized I can hang with these guys and win the major. At Wimbledon, even though he lost, he knew he could have played a little bit better and it would have, yeah. it would have taken this much mm-hmm. to beat Novak at his best. So I think if, even though he lost... 
he, he won emotionally on that front, I think. All right, looking forward to that yeah. semifinal, Rafa and Mateo. Meantime, on the women's side, we had American Madison Keys looking to get back to the Australian Open semifinals for the first time since 2015. Jeez. Taking on the reigning Roland Garros winner, Barbora Krejcikova. This was all Keys, LD. Yeah, in the beginning, though, Steve, this was a tight match. Krejcikova, four break points in the first couple of Keys' of service game, and Maddie able to save them all. And all of a sudden, you get to the sixth game. Madison able to get her first break. And this was right about the time you could tell Krejcikova was getting bothered by the heat. When the schedule came out, Madison was absolutely thrilled to be scheduled at this part of the day. She knew she had an advantage in terms of the heat. Training in Florida, growing up there, and she really used that to her advantage. Krejcikova obviously was bothered. Shot selection wasn't as good as we've seen it. And again, like we've seen from Keys this tournament, solid play. Wasn't going for too much. She was serving well. This was a huge game. She was up 3-love in the second. It got back to 3-2, and then she never looked back. And a lot of returns into play. And again, did exactly what she needed to do to get through this match. 11 wins total last year. Now she's got 11 this year already. Back-to-back -to -back top 10 wins for the first time. And back in a major semifinal for the first time in four years. I think you take the experience out of it, whereas I know I'm going to feel nervous. I know I'm going to be excited. I know all of those feelings are going to be there, but it's also a completely different situation and time and person and all of that. So I think you you take the experience that you have from those moments and you try to apply it, but you also know that it's going to be a completely different challenge. A keys win guaranteed that Ash Barty will remain the world number one. Barty still, though, looking to finish at the top of the tournament. Martina will have to get past American Jesse Pagula. Well, this match was a combination of Ash Barty really playing her best tennis and, uh, and Jesse Pagula too many unforced errors. She had seven winners, 26 unforced errors. Just couldn't really hurt Ash with anything. And once Barty got that first set under her belt, she really relaxed, played even better. Just uh, really overpowered and outthought. Jessica not feeling threatened, not feeling the pressure, which really surprised me. You'd think she could feel some nerves, but she only lost two games playing her best tennis of the tournament in, uh, you know, in this quarterfinal. Seven winners to 26 unforced errors for Pagula. And Barty just reeled it off. Nine games in a row to finish it. Ash Barty now on a nine-match winning streak as well. And get this. The Aussie has lost just 17 games in five matches to reach her fourth Grand Slam semifinal. The hope alive for the hometown Ash Barty. She will take on Maddie Keys in the next round. Looking forward to that one. And then we've got Collins Cornish, Fiontech Kanepi coming up later today. So Barty gets past Pagula and really... Lindsay uses the slice to great effect. How is she able to, to do that? And why are the rest of the players not able to adapt to that? Well, she uses it as such a great weapon because she uses all the slices. She uses it offensively. She uses it defensively. She also uses it to draw her opponents in. But if you're an opponent right now in the WTA, there's no one else that uses a slice. So for so many of these players, they get out on court, and they're not accustomed to seeing that. In every other generation, there's been multiple players, and almost always in the top 10 or 20, of players that use the one-handed backhand that had that variety. In this generation, 
it's only Barty right now. And so I think a lot of the players are caught off guard. They're not sure how to handle it. Do I get up and hit it with two hands? Do I just slice it back? And Barty's just a master. I mean, as soon as she sees a player go to their own slice, she immediately starts going to her left looking for a forehand. She knows she's going to have time then. She's also a player who really uses all her serves. She uses different tosses. She fakes opponents out, always looking for that serve plus forehand. And I think players are really caught off guard when they go out to play her about what to expect and really how to handle it. Mm-hmm. That's the change of pace and change of spin and change of height of where they like to hit the ball. And, they, and, and, and also the easiest slice to hit is the cross court. And it goes to the two-hander most of the time because she's playing right-handed. And they just don't want to hit this one. And they don't want to go inside the baseline. They like to hit it up here, waist high, about three feet or two feet behind the baseline. Now they're three feet inside the baseline, but the ball is at their shoelaces. So they can't be offensive. And it's like they, they can't play their game. And some players say, I didn't play my game. Why not? Well, because I didn't go for it. Or in, uh, in Bash Barty's uh, case, she doesn't allow them to play their game. It's a great business lesson. Differentiate your product to make sure there's something that the competitor or the competition can't respond to. It applies in sports as well. I think it's just a great point. How do you prepare to play against that? The other thing is we've been saying about Barty, well, we've seen this before. She can look great, and then she can get a little shaky in the latter rounds of majors. She hasn't even put herself in that position. I mean, she's surrendering less than two games a set. Well, it's hard to get nervous and uh, really think about the weight of the occasion when you're up double breaks in every set. So, uh, I mean, this was sort of the rounds the last two years where the wheels have come off a little bit. She's not even putting herself in that position. She's looked terrific. I don't see it this year. I don't see the freeze (laughs) coming. I mean, in terms of other matches where she's just looked overwhelmed, I don't see it happening to Barty here. John talks about differentiating the product. Not the draw, though. In this case, when she won Roland Garros a a few years ago, she beat Pagula. She beat Anna Samova. She also beat Maddie Keys, and that's who she has coming up next. Should be interesting to watch that matchup. When we come back, we're doubling down on the doubles, and that means these two. The crowd going wild for Team Special K. Could Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis keep the party going in Melbourne? Welcome back. Former UCLA star Jenny Brady joining the show later. Another former Bruin crushing it on the doubles court. Anna Shibahara ranked sixth in the world with Shuko Aoyama taking on Shelby Rogers and Petra Martic. They took the first set and the Japanese duo would continue to roll. Won five straight games to take that first set. And how about this? They made the semifinals at Wimbledon last year. But, Lindsay, they're looking for their first Grand Slam title. Yeah, and what they were so clutch at the end of the second set. Two times able to hit past Martic up at net to get the break. And then Shibahara able to serve this out. They're a great team, and they will play again in Melbourne. Shibahara, South Bay represent as they move on past Rogers and Martic. Second quarterfinal for that duo. Did it in Paris last year as well. So half of the semifinals are set. And then at the top half, we got Krejcikova, Sinyakova taking on Dalahide and Sanders. Martina, I want to get your thoughts on, on Krejcikova. We saw how much she struggled in singles. Is she going to have it in the doubles? She'll be fine. I mean, she was right <laughs> as a lobster. Uh, you know, growing up in Czech Republic, you don't get hot days like this, and she clearly couldn't handle it. But uh, doubles is a different, uh, different animal altogether. You don't you don't have to work nearly as hard, and, and you, you know, so you, you get to sit down, you get to rest, and, and she'll be fine. 
It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah one, one, two, three seeds still remaining. Uh, very, very different from the men's doubles draw. They've never won. Uh, Sinyakova and Krajikov have never won this event either. So they're the top seeds, and they've won other majors, but not this one. Big All opportunity. Right. Let's look at the, the men's action that John just referenced. Starting with Marcel Grenoliers and Horatio Zabios taking on John Pierce, Philip Palasek. Martina, take it away. Well, uh... Two of ten break points for Granados de Bayos. It was a lot closer than it really needed to be, but they got that first set under their belt as they just played a little bit better on the, from the baseline. They both have really good ground strokes, and they were bothering Pierce and, and Polasek. Meantime, no unforced errors for Granados de Bayos. Wow. How is that? I, I don't know if I've ever seen a match. Doubles, it can happen. The opponents only had five, but still, it's five too many. These guys just played too solid. And uh, look, look at this. This is knowing exactly where you need to put the ball. Really great heads-up play by Zabayos. And uh, also Granadiers. It's a great return. And they're in the semis, and they're psyched. And, yeah, they're, they're just really... They've been playing together for a long time, so they really know each other as well as, of course, how to play doubles. They've won six titles, three masters. Still looking for that first major together. Then they had the special K show back on court. Kyrgios Kokonakis. And this had a little bit of everything, John. Well, you saw he slammed, Kyrgios slammed the ball, and look what happened. Hit a boy oh, right yeah. in his chest. So, Nick gives him the free racket. Uh, for a little bit, he, he was still not happy, but eventually uh, he, he did smile with that with that fresh stick. Kyrgios in a nutshell. So, questionable decision-making and then a nice act. Um, this match, uh, some good tennis, got a little bit chippy. I think we need, like... Calliope music. We need, uh, this was as much entertainment as it was sport. And uh, here on the other side of the net, Martina, maybe yeah. you don't appreciate that. That's why Venus is upset with, with Nick's, like, really, you, you're trying to get the crowd going before I'm serving. Yeah, there's some questionable, <laughs> unsportsmanlike conduct from mm -hmm. Nick. But, you know, yes, yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> makes the, the fans uh, go nuts. Uh, half, half is, I mean, people crowd. are booing as he's yeah. tossing the ball. The, the fans were really um, out, out of line. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Nick didn't help matters much. But Quince uh, Venus get this third set. This is a tightly played match. Yeah, the, the half-capacity crowd really liked this match. Uh, we'll see it in, in the highlights here. I mean, you know, apart from the beef and the entertainment, this was high-quality doubles, and this patchwork team, I don't know, which which one is Jim Carrey and which one is Yeah, it's amazing. Exactly. That's, uh, I mean... This is really infusing this doubles draw with, with a lot of life. And these guys are taking it seriously. This is a, a patchwork team. Obviously, these are two singles players. They win again. And uh, we're getting closer to these guys winning the title. Yeah, we're getting closer. Well, what does Nick think about that, getting that title? You know, like, when we were young, playing on the 12s, we grew up in Melbourne Park. And to, to say that we did it together, semifinals, and I'm not finished. I want to win this thing, to be honest, bro. Right? You know, another tough, tough win. That's probably, I think, the toughest pair that we've played. They brought some serious tennis today. It wasn't easy. But, um, you know, as long as I'm playing this sport and playing in Australia, you sure will have a show. And I'm sure Thanasi feels the same way. Take a look at the draw. The, the unseated duo right there at the top. It's Grenelliers, Zabios next. The show continues. Ram Salisbury there at the bottom against former champs Bellelli and Fonini. But, Lindsay... I mean, it, it's, this has uh, WWE vibes yeah. all over it. But nobody, I, I don't think, I mean, nobody else 
could pull a crowd like that and get so many people invested in it as well. i got to tell you, I'm so happy for Kokonakis. Mm-hmm. He played so well in Adelaide. He came into the Australian Open with high hopes. He was exhausted from winning his title in Adelaide. Look at this run he's making now. He's been through a lot. But I don't know. You get this kind of support. You have to love it if you're there in Australia, if you're part of TA and the Australian Open. They're selling grounds passes like you can't believe. That court is amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Nick does a lot of talking, a lot of, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, showmanship stuff. But, you know, the reason people come watch him play because he hits great shots. He hits shots that nobody else hits. He's got that talent. And that's why we go crazy. It's like, ah, why can't you put this energy into singles as well, into training, most of all. But he brings the fans in, and maybe this will get him fired up. Uh, Maybe he needs to play all the tournaments in Australia. I don't know. We say this all the time. He, he does well in the team format. And whether it's because of the, the camaraderie and the high fives and the fact that he has someone that he can talk to at the changeovers or because the pressure is cut in half and the expectation is cut in half, he really thrives with a teammate. I just think about Kokonakis, exactly your thought. Boy, what a nice way for him to sort of catalyze that singles win. Also, notice him... When Curios goes into his antics, he sort of has this, well, he's my buddy. <laughs> don't, don't put us too close together. It's very funny to see his body language. As Nick said, they've been friends since they were early teenagers, and it's, it's just fun to see on a tennis court the atmosphere that Special K brings. Much more TC Live in a moment. Back on TC Live, look who we have over here. Madison Keys, back into the semifinals, where she belongs. Getting ready for a big match. Is that a tennis channel shirt? That koala with the racket. I think she may have one of our shirts. Is it? I need one of those. I didn't know. I didn't know that existed. Didn't even know we had shirts. Where do you? <laughs> we have a koala shirt. Anyways, uh, back to your thought of the day, Martina. As the Australian Open reversed its ban on the "Where Is Peng Shui" T-shirts, you can come in and wear them. Well, I mean, it's not political, and it's not uh, commercial. You know, commercial. It's not. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, other than it's uncomfortable. And uh, the Australian Open decided that we'll be uncomfortable and do the right thing. So, yay. Yeah. Credit, credit the tournament for reversing course. You don't often see that. Keep, keep an eye on the story. The Winter Olympics start a week from Friday. Uh, we will be hearing the name Peng Shui. Uh, how, how much, who knows, in what context, who knows. But this, this story, is uh, it ain't over. All right. Uh, meantime, great stuff for Dylan Alcott. Yesterday, not only was he winning his match on the way to the finals wheelchair tennis, uh, he was also named the Australian Person of the Year. The Australian of the Year. This is a big deal. Now he's going for his eighth Australian Open title in wheelchair tennis. This is also his last event. Yeah, he announced he was going to retire after this year's Australian Open. He has been a mainstay mm. on tour. So popular in Australia. He does commentary during the yeah. Australian Open. He, he's everywhere. And uh, we'll still see him around. We'll miss, him. we'll miss seeing him on the court, but we'll be seeing him. You guys know he got a gold medal in basketball, in Paralympic yes. basketball as well. Really? Um, I didn't know that. Spoiler, we may have a Dylan Alcott uh, feature, but no, as you say, he's not just a star player. I mean, he's on billboards, he's doing commentary. I mean, he's really a, a star attraction at this event. He, he's he's so big. I mean, he is just such a big personality. Mm-hmm. He talks, He's you would never know that he's disabled because he's got such a zest for life and such a great attitude and uh 
He here is doing so much good for people with disabilities. Remember the U.S. Open? He was drinking that beer. All oh, right. He After said, he won the uh, Grand Slam. Quote, I've heard the Australian Open, Australian of the Year after party is one of the best after parties ever. But unfortunately, <laughs> I've got a match to try and win 36 hours. So mm-hmm. hopefully right. after that. He, he can the enjoy the, the after after party. The, uh, then the lampshade to get it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Iga Sviatek getting ready for her match. Kaya Kanepi, big hitter. Iga looking to make the final four in Melbourne. TC Live presented by Geico. We have reached that time. Always look forward to this. Worth on, stat of the day. Big nod, Jordan Leeski, behind the scenes, who came up with this one and does such great work for us. Okay, Roger Federer becomes the all-time major winner when he beats Andy Roddick in 2009. Wimbledon, look at this, 4,621 days he has been the all-time major leader, or at least tied for it. And you know what? Rafa, six sets away from perhaps uh, taking over that lead. Uh, but it's funny, I mean, P- Pete Sampras took over the lead in 2000 to the year 2000 and then went till 2009 when Roger won number 14. Roger got number 15 four weeks later. So Roger has held number one atop that list longer than Pete, but uh, we are six sets away from Roger being overtaken. Very captivating. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you just, you just take a step back. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I mean, the fact that Pete Sampras in 2022 is a distant fourth. Yeah. yeah. It's, we're we're going to reflect and on this and just say like crazy. Mean, we time. all thought, and he thought it was like a mic drop. Yeah, yeah exactly. Out. No one's going to beat that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three. Which, like, well, you think Roger too, Roger too okay, at some agree. level. No, I mean, yeah, that's, that, crazy. that's a good point. Which makes you th- somebody's going to come along and beat these three guys. That's why we love sports. <laughs> but uh, Even how crazy as that sounds right now. I, they may not be uh, born yet. I don't but, know if right. anybody can beat those numbers. 20 plus. It's going to happen. Well. Says, says, no, I mean, 18. no, yeah. I mean, yeah. not the, the, the next one, yeah, got 20. I just don't think it's gonna happen. There's too many guys playing. Well, this, this guy's very close, Martin. And, and how about the volleying skills from Rafa Nadal? Rafa's one of the best volleyers on the tour, and this one, not just the skill and the uh, reflex eyeballs for that, but the strength to hold this ball and, and cup it the other way. You have to have some seriously strong wrist and I, I just heard he lost, he had heat stroke yesterday and lost nine pounds during that match. So uh, maybe he was just shortening points and getting in so uh, he didn't have to labor the baseline for 20 shot rallies. But it's more shot. than anyone, right? And yeah. if I've said in the heat, that would be a great diet plan. <laughs> one match, nine pounds. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a five does. setter in Melbourne. Yeah, uh, the right way, exercising. What do you think Steve does during this show? <laughs> So it's like seven or eight pounds, right? <laughs> uh, here's what we have today. We're going to fill out our semifinal bracket. Collins Cornish, Fiante Kanepi, Sitsipas Sinner, Oje Aliasim, and Medvedev. Let's start with that bottom one. We've got FAA taking on the Russian. Lindsay, the head-to-head is all for Medvedev yep. in, in this one. In fact, uh, Felix won the first set that they ever played. As we take a look at our Tennis Express head-to-head, he has not won a set since. Yep, I believe it's going to continue that way. I just think Medvedev also, after facing the opponents he's faced, he faced Kyrgios, he faced Cressy, all of a sudden now it's more of a straight-up match. He'll have more time against Felix. I I think Medvedev gets through this in in straight sets. Straight sets. What do you think, Martin? Probably. I think Felix may squeak out a set. I think it's going to be closer with straight three easy sets, but I think... uh, Medvedev has been tested really well, as you said, and came through with flying colors. And Felix. Lulu's oh, here, wow. by the way. Hello, Lulu. Put her head down. <laughs> oh. 
What do you think, Lulu? Lulu thinks that uh, Felix could make this a match, but really has to serve well, especially <laughs> early. These guys just played already this year. Six four six zero to Medvedev. Same continent, same surface. Um, Felix is going to have to have a really good day. Yeah. All right. Do we think the, the run for Kaya Kanepi goes any? Any further? I think the train ends tonight against Sviantec. I think also to get to the quarterfinal, she's absolutely thrilled. Also a tie break in the third. I think she's exhausted. I think she's happy with where she's at. I, but more importantly, I think Sviantec has that look in her eyes that she's ready to add a second major, feeling good in Melbourne as well. So on her half of the draw, Sviantec, she is the seventh seed. We have a player who's ranked 30. We have a player who's ranked 61, and we have a player that she plays today who's outside the top 100. Big, big opportunity to get back to another oh, major final. Who's coming back? Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think she won't take. Obviously, she's a favorite, but Kanepi, kudos to her. Yeah, to, mm-hmm. to come back yeah, and have the greatest result here, biggest payday of her life, and uh, didn't expect it. And uh, yeah, she totally ex- exceeded any expectations. So well done. But I don't think she's done. I think she'll give her a run for her money, but she won't take wins. What a moment. Uh, Lulu, or <laughs> what's the moment? Uh, Alize Cornet, 63 yep. majors, yeah, yep. finally, finally gets number one. Uh, is, is she satisfied with that, or, or, or are we taking Danielle Collins? I don't think she's satisfied, but I still take Danielle Collins. And her level of, of intensity and what she brings out there, I like Collins in this matchup. I think Cornet will come out there, and, and it'll be a tough match. I don't know. I just like the way Collins has looked this tournament. Yeah, not not dissimilar players. Danny probably has a, a fair amount more power. You know, sometimes these matches where it's just big opportunity for both, a winnable match for both. Yeah. I mean, Cornet's beaten some really good players, starting with Muguruza in round three. Now, to get to the semis, she plays a 27 seed. At the same time, you could say the same thing about Collins. Right, Lulu? <laughs> I want to. Wasn't it onesie? I was going to say. Yeah, what was that? Was that what Steve was in the other day? <laughs> <laughs> that was John. Come on now. To you guys. That was, oh, my god. Yeah, goodness. it looks painful doing that roller. I used to do that, but it's really good for you, but I kind of hated it. Anyway, Collins. What are you, looking, what are you looking for, Lulu? On America. No. Now, that'll do it for the show today. We had, we had Jen Brady. Lulu's very feisty today, got a lot of energy. The semifinals are going to be filled out from Martina, Lindsay, and John. I'm Steve. We'll see you tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern.